This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we are rolling right along in our adventures in Acts with Sons of Sceva, Demetrius' beef with Paul, riot in Ephesus, an appeal for order, Paul in Macedonia and Greece. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
and of the Holy Spirit. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are righteous and sinful unto thee. We have sinned against you, God, for your name, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King of God, from whom all good proceeds, grant to us, your humble servants, your holy inspiration, that we may set our minds on the things that are right, and by your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 
A reading from Ezekiel. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require out of your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. <coughs> See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven, for the Son of Man came to save the lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Just a mere 33 verses of scripture earlier, Jesus had begun overtly unveiling to his disciples the soon-to-come events of Holy Week. He had began fleshing out the cost of discipleship, of self-denial and taking up the cross. He has vividly revealed his divinity on the Transfiguration Mountain, dealt with the doubts of his disciples, again predicted his death and resurrection, suffered and submitted to the indignity of paying tax on a temple inhabited by his father and embodied by his very self. And then these numb-yuck disciples, and I can say that because I'm one of them, these numb-yuck disciples say, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Oh, how he must have ached down to the depths of what we confess in the Athanasian Creed, his rational soul. I love the way the uh, Lutheran Study Bible kind of uh, understates it. It says this in commentary on that verse, the disciples seem to have had a recurring dispute about who was the greatest. Well, you know what? This recurring dispute continues even into our present day. How many of you glance at Facebook, which has taken who is the greatest to a whole new level? I realize just how boring and uneventful my life is when I see the greatest vacation, the greatest family, the, the greatest execution of his or her job or whatever. And we can find it even closer in the church. You go to lcms.org, then you go to locators, then you go to find a church, and then you can find out, hey, this guy I went to seminary with, yeah, his church has kind of declined in attendance in recent years, and wow, that guy ended up there, and all the ways that we kind of compare and ask ourselves, who is the greatest? I found one website that just, I kind of went, oh, rolled my eyes. It said this about itself at church. It said, we found that by doing things like church, school, and community differently, people are able to experience genuine belonging and purpose. At, in the name of the church, we went, want to be a place where every person, including you, is loved and feels safe searching for answers to difficult questions. And I realized I was reading from the website of my own congregation, you know? <laughs> We're always kind of comparing ourselves. How about the academic community? That is a great place to determine who is the greatest. Now I'm going, I kind of fished around on the websites of our two seminaries, but I won't divulge which is which. But I want to share with you how the two seminaries describe their faculties. One of our seminaries says, our distinguished faculty members are known and respected throughout the church for their biblical and confessional scholarship and experience in applying the truth of God's word to daily life. Faculty members average more than 11 years of service as pastors missionaries or chaplains. The other of our two unnamed seminaries simply states it this way, the finest theological faculty in the world, bar none. You'll have to go out there and find out which is which. 
and students lest you chuckle a little bit. How about this? I'm on the MDiv track, not like those uh, folks on the uh, alternate route or, <laughs> heaven forbid, SMP. I'm a fourth year student. I've come back from Vicarage and let me tell you, this is the way you take the gospel and apply it to people's lives. You inexperienced second and first year students. Well, I'm an SMP student, and I'll tell you what, while you guys kind of live out in la-la land, I'm right down on the ground level doing ministry. We are always comparing ourselves to one another, asking the question of those first disciples and disputing among themselves, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus is such a master teacher. He uses an object lesson now. He calls out to the children and places one child in the midst of the disciples. And he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you turn, and what that literally means is to make an about face. You're heading this way, now you're gonna start going this way. Unless you turn, and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now I know that uh, this is hard to imagine in our 21st century world where those cute little beings that God permits us to produce are idolized throughout our culture, you know? We are really a kid-oriented culture. Although even in our sinful world, children are terribly abused. But if we go back to the ancient world, to the time of Jesus, children were considered to hold the lowest status in society. And then Jesus goes on and he says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. A Couple of chapters later, Jesus will say, when Mrs. Zebedee comes and like any good Jewish mother says, hey, you know, I've got two boys here. Put one on my, your right, the other one on my left, your left. And then the disciples get indignant about that and once again argue about who is the greatest. Jesus says these words, whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you ever think of Jesus as the little child brought into the midst of those disciples? The one of lowest status, the one who humbled himself, as Paul writes to the Philippians, and became obedient even unto death, death on a cross. You know, I'm kind of working through this whole idea of humility. I ran across again uh, some of the writing of C.S. Lewis, and he writes a book many of you are familiar with called The Screwtape Letters. And what it is, they, there is this master demon, Screwtape, and he has an apprentice, his uh, nephew, Wormwood, who's kind of a bumbling, inept sort of a person. So the whole book is about uh, advice given by screw tape to Wormwood in order that Wormwood might become adept at pulling people away from the faith. And in chapter 14, he talks about humility. And he says this, just a couple of things to think about. He says, in writing to his nephew, you must therefore conceal from the patient the true end of humility. Let him think of it, and the patient is the guy who Wormwood is working with, let him think of it not as self-forgetfulness, but as a certain kind of opinion, namely a low opinion, of his own talents and character. In other words, the more we can focus on self and denigrate self, the more humble, as Uriah Heep says, the more humble we might be, and the more we remain focused on self. And then later on in that letter, Screwtape writes, even of his sins, 
the enemy, that is God, does not want him, the, the believer, to think too much. Once they are repented, the sooner the man turns his attention outward, the better the enemy is pleased. So really that's the message of today's gospel. That by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for us, we have died to sin. We no longer live for ourselves. We no longer are focused on ourselves, but only for him who for our sakes died and was raised again. We are forgiven and we are freed by the greatest. And he calls us to lives of greatness. A former Lutheran hour speaker said it this way, when the preacher looks at the congregants, he sees them through the eyes of the crucified Jesus. When the congregants hear the preacher and his words, they see and hear them in terms of the crucified Jesus. And so my dear friends who are going to go out and do wonderful things in the church of Jesus Christ, know this, that your greatness does not come from looking down on fellow believers on other people. Your greatness will not come by looking side to side in order to see, well, what's he up to? How pious is he? How this or that is that individual? No, our greatness comes from looking up, looking up to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's precisely what he will gift us to do in a few moments as we stretch out our hands and we look up to him and receive his sacrifice, his body and his blood, and to recognize that he has humbled himself and thus achieved the greatest greatness for us. As we receive that gift, I encourage you to turn your eyes upon Jesus, to look full in his wondrous face and when you do that the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace in the name of the father of the son and of the holy spirit amen, amen. Gathered in the name and the assurance of Jesus' promised presence, let us call on our Heavenly Father for ourselves, for our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world, and for all people. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through the good news of Christ's sacrifice for all sin, you have called people out of every nation to be one body in Christ. Make your church strong and healthy through sound teaching and lead us with a fervent spirit to proclaim your wonders to a lost and dying world. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Lord, you have appointed the governing authorities for the reward of those who do good and the punishment of evildoers. Bless the rulers of the world with wisdom and godliness. Protect and guide all who make, administer, and judge our laws that in word and deed they may lead us in the ways of righteousness. Lord, in your mercy. Sustain, O Lord, all those who work the fields, harvest the crops, and bring to our table the food that sustains us in this mortal life. 
Grant peace and cooperation among the nations so that all peoples of the earth may have access to the nourishment needed to support their bodies and life. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, keep in your constant care those who are sick and suffering. According to your gracious will, grant them healing as you so will and strength in their time of need. Grant comfort to all who mourn that they may cling to the promise of life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy. For all these and whatever other things you would have us ask, Heavenly Father, we pray for the sake of Jesus Christ, your only Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. 
gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do so in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, All of you drink of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. O oh, Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, in giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion, your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, your ascension into heaven, and your coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Okay.